0: welcome to subculture this is a podcast about the many unique varied and sometimes little known groups that people find themselves relating to in our society in today's world everything runs on culture who you are what you believe in what you think about yourself and the way we relate to the world is all defined by the choices we make and the people we choose to spend time with How do we decide where we belong? Have you ever thought about changing who you are? Have you ever thought about joining a club, a group, a gang, or a clique? What makes us who we are? What makes us decide where to fit in? That's what this podcast will explore. Every week, I will interview an individual from a different subculture and try to get at the thing that makes them tick. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Subculture. This week, I'm talking to my friend, Melody Joy. Melody is in the subculture of modern-day mystics. Welcome to the show, Melody. How are you?
1: I am so well, Chris. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on and uh, agreeing to talk to me about your lifestyle and your profession and your spiritual journey.
1: Yeah, I'm excited.
0: Yeah. I like to ask everyone, just to introduce yourself, you know, your name, age, if you want to give it, where you're from, where you live, what you're doing.
1: Um, my name is Melody Joy. It is my birth name and um, I'm from the East Coast in Vermont and I'm a modern day mystic, but I'm not straight woo. I do work at the fulcrum of Eastern and Western healing with a focus on on women and women's empowerment.
0: And I'm sure it's been a journey to to get to 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 be in a place like that. Like uh, you, you don't just start off in life as I'm going to be a mystic, <laughs>
1: probably, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I come from a long line of mystics, so I feel like it was part really? of my destiny. Yes.
0: <laughs> Tell me about your your like your life, your childhood, and your life a little bit. Like, what was it like being from Vermont? and What are you you about your family? Anything you want to talk about from your personal life in the past?
1: Okay. You know, I would say, you know, my current reality is on the fulcrum of two worlds. And I feel like that's been a theme throughout my life. Uh, And it really started with being born to parents of two different races um, at a time in the 60s where, you know, it was not socially accepted, and my dad is the is really the mystic, and he was a he was a seventy year old black man when my mom met him, oh, in, in the in the ghettos of Philadelphia. My mom shows up to his place to buy pot from him, so that was the original connection. And uh, my mom went back to go see my dad because he he was tapped into spirit in a way. That was very profound. And anyone who came near him, um, you know, their lives were touched because he was clairvoyant. He was prophetic. He could see the future. Um, And he saw things in my mom that no one had seen, Uh, you know, stories and experiences that no one could possibly know. And he knew them. And so that was their, that was their connection. And I feel that, you know, through that connection, my mom was, you know, from a privileged white family and, um, in Philadelphia and they disowned her because of her relationship with my father and their interracial um, connection. So, you know, they were cast out. So I have a father who's a mystic and a, and a, um, you know, a mother who's a revolutionary, you know, she was like, she was 22, When she had me and my father was uh, 73, so 50 year age difference, but that spiritual bond was the thing that brought them together. And I have three other siblings and that spiritual bond has, you know, that spiritual theme has always been a part of my life um, because of that. And um, it hasn't been easy. I think that, you know, the, the early childhood that I had was full of all sorts of conflict and trauma. And there was physical abuse, there was drug use, there was, um, you know, a, a lot of chaos and and craziness. But I believe that when we're, when we're born, our souls are here on earth to kind of Enjoy and play with energy. So it's a school, and we all have different lessons. We all have different intersectionalities of family, of what countries we grow up in, um, you know, our different socioeconomic brackets. All of that is really truly for us to connect to the truth of who we are, which I believe is divine in physical form. And when we really awaken that potential that we have as human beings, we become magic, we become superhuman, we become fully human. And I think that's the point of life. And so moving moving through trauma, moving through the, the conflicts of my own childhood was the way that I alchemized or the way that I used, you know, the kindling of my life, the friction of my inner life to set something on fire, which was my soul, you know, um, and, and shift and transform and I and I work with many people and and that's that's the container I hold for other people how do you how do you go from tragic to magic? how do you alchemize or transform suffering and pain into something that's you know beautiful, rich, sensual, liberated um, connected, juicy I'm all about juicy. how can you be intimate with life and feel the fullness of life? And most people, like if I was to stay in the conditionings of my childhood, I would have been blocked off and guarded from experiencing anything in my life. And I probably wouldn't even be alive right now. I mean, that's the truth of it. So that spiritual alchemy or awakening um, was a necessary process. Yes, it's my family lineage and line, but it's also been my own journey. So.
0: A lot of the spiritual people that I know throughout my life all came to to find their spirituality through a lot of suffering. It never seems to to <laughs> nobody ever <laughs> like gets there through like a real easy path. You're right?
1: Yeah, and I mean, if that's that's the whole thing. Yeah. If life is good and you're not challenged by it, you'll remain in status quo. Why would you change? Right? Right, and, and right. I and I think that some people do have a sole contract where they're here to just kind of have a you know business as usual life, and it's and it doesn't go into these big wide open spaces. Uh, but we're right now we're we're in a transition. If you haven't noticed, COVID, everything that's been at war, all of this, um, you know, tumultuousness is coming up for us as a collective family to change our consciousness to change the way that we see ourselves and each other because we're moving into a new era we're always moving and evolving as a humanity always there's been ages that are marked by certain things but this new one that we're in is about mysticism. It is about bridging heaven to earth through that mind, body, spirit component. And there's, there's a million ways to do that. There's a, there's a quote in the Rig Veda that says, you know, truth is one. The wise speak of it in many ways. And so this is that time that we're living in where people are speaking of the same thing in a lot of different ways. And, and so it's how do we come together and play with it and support each other and shift? with it rather than fighting against each other and trying to, um, you know, dominate one another to get through it.
0: What was it like, um, for you as a kid to have a father who was so much older? I mean, I guess if you're, he didn't meet your mom until he was 70, he he was pretty old when you were, when you were a child. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, so (laughs) It was, you know, my mom. So I I didn't have any money. My mom was cut off from her family, um, like I had mentioned and disowned. Um, So we grew grew up with nothing. Um, We grew up with nothing. And so my mom cleaned houses Mm. for a living and I have three other Mm. siblings. And so we spent most of our time with my dad and my dad kept his profession of selling pot. Um, so, you know, growing <laughs> up, that was the, yeah, that yeah. was the that was the side hustle. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> it, How did that
0: affect you as a kid? Did you, I mean, did you kind of go down that path or was that? Yeah.
1: yeah. So yes. Yep. Um, it did affect me as a kid because we had people over all the time and it wasn't just yeah. pot. I mean, there was all sorts of other things. There was psilocybin oh. and heroin and it, you know it got crazy in the 80, yeah, in the 80s right, right. which was like kind of yeah. where everything exploded in my own childhood was when all yeah. that stuff was happening and it <clears> led you know my, that was also part of my path too is um is really like i disowned spirit after um my you know, my childhood, because it was so tumultuous with the drugs and the alcohol and um, the kind you of- You're talking
0: about like in the early 20s, late teen era? Is that what you're talking
1: No, like my childhood, like, yeah, my teens. Once, I, once my yeah. father passed, yeah. he passed when I was 18. Right. And okay. so I just didn't want anything to do with spirit. Because there was so much trauma, I was like, I couldn't separate what spirit actually was, or the potential that it had, it was too tied and enmeshed with suffering. So it led me to kind of my own path of avoidance and disconnection, which was drugs and alcohol. And that, you know, lasted... Um, like a 15 years. And then I got into recovery. What what a time
0: to be alive through the eighties and (laughs) nineties, the drugs and alcohol scene. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah, So, I mean, that was, so that's been part of my journey too, is, um, is, is recovery and 12 step recovery was, you know, the foundation of, of, what I think is one of the most important parts of healing and transformation, no matter what school uh, of thought you use, Mm
0: -hmm. is
1: self-reflection and analysis Mm -hmm. and an ability to surrender to spirit in some way, shape or form, no matter what you call it. Um, that, That marriage of those two things is mm-hmm. the perfect recipe to shift and change and, and and another component of that is that as we change we can't really keep it to ourselves if, if change is going to be effective we have to be around other people we have to share our light we have to share our journey it keeps us humble it keeps us connected and it keeps us open you know you can have a spiritual experience and this is happening now A lot of people are doing ayahuasca, plant medicines, and they're having these profound spiritual experiences, but they don't have this foundation of self reflection and analysis. So now it's this spiritual materialism where, oh, I did this thing. I saw God in my 15 minutes of uh, DMT. And now, you know, you guys are, you know, everyone else is asleep. You know, it can bring, it can separate people (laughs) if you don't stay. You know, what do you think about all of
0: that? I mean, you know, that is a great point that you brought up. I mean, I I, I hear so many people in today's world and society, people that I know actually talking about going off to do these ayahuasca trips, these mescaline trips, there's ibogaine mm -hmm. uh, trips. There's, you know, people, people are promoting um, mushrooms and psilocybin as medicine. What do you think about how do you, what's your take on that? Do you have an opinion? I do.
1: I, so, you know, um, I was actually having a conversation with a friend uh, about her cousin who is, mm. I think she's in her early fifties and she had a lot of childhood trauma and kind of repressed it her whole life. And then she had this experience somehow where someone um brought her on a psilocybin journey and she had all these things come up and it was profoundly healing for her. And uh, when I was talking to my my friend, I was like, you know, in hindsight, when I think about my own journey and all the trauma that I had as a child, you know, I, I have had a lot of time in recovery, like double, you know, decades. And so when I think about what I did with psilocybin and LSD when I was 14, 15, 16, yeah. I believe yeah. that those really profound internal experiences I had I think that they have probably benefited me and helped me to stay, stay connected to spirit. You know? So I, I do think that there, yeah, I do, yeah. I don't, I think there's, like I said, you know, this Rig Vita quote, like truth is one, the wise speak of it in, in many ways. And there's many paths to connect to spirit. Some people get a right. get a have a midlife crisis or get a divorce. Some people, you know, Um, leave their family. You know, some people get in a serious car accident, have near-death experiences. Some people get sober, you know, so some people do ayahuasca. Like I, that's the thing is like everyone has their own unique individual journey. and, and And I can only speak to my own experience, but I do think many things are useful. But the problem I think happens when people stay in their head about stuff and they're not able to stay in the heart you know because the Mm. the heart is where is where we we're we're, we stay human we stay human and acknowledge it through our vulnerability right we all suffer we all experience rejection abandonment injustice humiliation those are kind of like collective soul wounding Mm -hmm. experiences but when we can see that like oh everyone everyone has, has had this in some way, it allows our heart to stay open so that we don't go into this place of the head that says, oh yeah, this thing outside of myself is going to fix me. You know, staying in the heart is the place of remembrance that, you know, we, we do have access to very beautiful states of consciousness that are very euphoric without taking anything. And that, so I had that, and I'll talk a little bit of about that in kund- yeah, yeah. Kund- Kundalini, but but being yeah. in the heart is the is the key no matter what path you walk if you can't stay in the heart then there's often ego there there's some part mm. of the self that wants to be acknowledged and praised for i don't know the experience that you have is better or different or novel than right. someone right. else that's that's com- right. that's like the competitive thing like okay if we're going to compete against each other it's you know we're always going to be at odds with each other but if we're in connection when our heart allows us to see ourselves in the mirror of the other, that connection offers us bandwidth to connect to all of it. And that. Is- yeah. No, I love this.
0: Yeah. I love this head heart talk because, you know, one of the things that I've learned through my own journey is like, anytime I'm like in my head, I'm like kind of asleep, you know, like yeah. that's what I'm like. Right? And so the thing that I've learned in my own journey is that everything coming out of my head is bullshit. (laughs) Everything that comes out of my heart, like my real intuition is almost, is like a hundred percent. I'm always right. It's always right. Mm -hmm. It's always spot on. The the trouble is, I don't know how to listen. I don't know which one I'm listening (laughs) to. (laughs) I don't know if I'm listening to Mr. Bullshit coming out of my head or if I'm really listening to my intuition that's coming out of my head. And that's the hard part, I
1: think. Yeah, it's like the blackjack game of life, you know, hit me one more time, or we're we just gonna will see what we got, you know. You don't know until you until you turn them over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but sometimes life shows up in, yeah. and it gives you something, you know, and those moments I believe are in every moment. But there's a moment when opportunity and desire meet. When I, When I say desire, I mean like soul desire. I mean like the thing that's like beyond the lifetime that you're in has wanted to experience emerges and comes to the surface. and then the environment gives you all of, you know, the, the, the right things to, to create a, um, a catalyst to shift into something new. And that mm. is here for everyone. Um, you know, COVID really was a, I think, a it kind of leveled the, the playing field. Um, at the level Open was a big
0: disruptor of the world. Exactly. You know? I, mean, I love I mean, disruption.
1: I it's like a power <laughs> outage. Fuck all the, all the ice cream's going to melt. What do we do? You know, like you gotta, you you wait for the reset. You don't know how long the power is going to be out and you kind of freak out and all the fears come to the surface. That's a collective shadow. I feel like a collective shadow period.
0: COVID changed the world and I don't know i don't know i'm still trying to figure you know like i'm sitting here like i don't know if it's for better or for worse to be honest with you what do you think you think it was good
1: so okay back to the heart right like it, you know i worked in healthcare i'm a frontline worker so i was really in the yeah. thick of it and i saw a lot of yeah. a lot of fear and, yeah. a, and a lot of pain and so i i'm a psychic intuitive and one day i was walking into the hospital And I walked through, and sometimes I can just feel things collectively. And I walked through, and it was like I heard a chorus of voices. I want to leave. I want to die. I can't take this. Get me out of here. And I was like, whoa. It like sent chills through my whole body. It was like people were ready to leave. And a lot of those souls, people who were passing at that time, were unable to stay in the heart. Um, Mm -hmm. Because the thing about the heart is when the heart opens, and that's what I believe COVID was, was an opportunity for heart opening um, And the way the heart opens is by breaking. And Mm -hmm. when the heart breaks open, it means that everything that we haven't felt up until this moment comes to the surface for us to meet. With our consciousness and that can feel like hell on earth that can feel Mm. so painful for some people that they would really rather die that's why you know this the idea of healing and mysticism is it's not light it's not woo woo it's you you can't have dark without light You, you you have to be able to go um you know, as deep as you can go high. It's not about high vibration. It's about broader bandwidth. Right. So how can, how can you go to both sides? How can you depolarize, right? Not, you know, driven to have one experience over another, but feel both, you know, um, joy and grief live in the same place, you know, Um, pain and Mm. pleasure live in the same place. Those are polarities Mm. of opposites. And when um, everything came up with COVID, It just brought so much of that to the surface. And honestly, it's still surfacing and it will continue to surface, especially over the next three, four years is what I feel acutely. Um, That's not going to go away. However, this opportunity for us to where, um, you know, desire and opportunity meet is here for us to transform ourselves individually to connect in a way to our full human potential that's never really been here before. So mm-hmm. that doesn't go away. So staying, staying in the heart and doing that individual work, you know, for for everyone, is it, personal. It's a very, it's a very personal process, and there's no right or wrong, you know.
0: That's uh, that's all very interesting. Let me ask you a question: How did you discover like that you had these abilities of intuitiveness and psychic abilities? You know, like what 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 happened in your life that that woke this up in you?
1: Um, well, I, initially I think I've always had it. Children, you children see, they they talk to imaginary beings and they connect to the spirit sure. realm super sure. easy, but it's conditioned out of most of us to um, use that extra sensory uh, ability of perceiving reality. And I had it as a kid. My dad had it. He talked to spirits all the time. The house we lived in was very old and it had tons of spirits. And I turned the dial down on that because I didn't, I didn't really have language or an ability to um, live live with it. It was too frightening for me, so I, I kind of I shut it off, and then it it came back alive, you know. So I had this you know, te- like 10 years in recovery, I had a solid foundation um, in my yeah. life of sobriety and self-reflection. And I started doing some relationship inner work through codependency work. And a lot of that looked at my empathic nature. And then, then I started kind of like, I've talked about shadow work, right? Letting some of those fragmented, wounded parts of myself come out and heal, especially through my my relationship with both of my parents, so I could bring those parts of me back into wholeness. And once they were, I was in, I was in a very grounded place. And I, um, I met a healer. Uh, I was in Charleston, South Carolina, and um, there was this place called Bridge to Avalon, which is which is interesting. Bridge to Avalon is like this. It was a healing center, but Avalon itself is part of this kind of history of uh, you know King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table and the the quest for the Holy Grail. And so the quest for the Holy Grail is is what started for me. I got initiated to a, to a different thing and I met this healer and I go there. And um, I was just about to leave my job. I was super burned out. I was at this breaking point in my life. Um, I was sober, but I was crazy because of this job. And I was, you know, there's something that was happening that it was like, you know, when like something's shaking where you're like, ooh, something's going to give, we don't know how or where. But I, I, so I go to this healing event that I was invited to and I met this healer and he touches people, something called Shaktipat. And he touches people. And they have this experience, a spirit, kind of a spiritual experience. And Shakti, I'm writing a book right now, and um, this is all in that book. Shakti is the dormant energy. That lies in all people. It's depicted as a snake coiled around the first chakra, which is at the coccyx or at your hip level in the body. And there are seven okay. chakras or energy centers in the body. And once Shakti, they they consider her the sleeping goddess. When she wakes up, she has a masculine counterpart that's you know uh, at the top or crown of our head, who's Shiva. Shiva Shakti, either that that polar masculine feminine energy that all all people have regardless of gender. But when that sleeping energy wakes up in us, she comes up through the chakras and then she meets her Mm -hmm. Shiva and it gives us an experience of oneness, transcendence. This is something that happens in, you know, that the, you know, plant medicine journeys are doing are waking up. They're really clearing out all the debris so that inner spiritual energy can rise. And so Shakti pot in, um, In 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 Sanskrit, "pat" means to fall. So when Shakti falls, it means someone who has already been awakened touches you, and that energy falls through your body and awakens your sleeping energy, and then that energy starts to wake up. Um, Depending depending on you, you know. But you but you can have that experience from anything. You know, it can be a life change like I talked before. You know, it's like you can get in a car accident, and have it, you can have a midlife crisis and have it. You can, you know, there are all sorts of um sorts of initiations for it. And it doesn't have to necessarily come from person. So mine, anyway, I go to this Bridges to Avalon and this guy is doing this demonstration. I'm standing outside the door and he's like, Yada yada, this is how this energy is gonna go. I'm just gonna touch. I'm just going to touch you. You can lie on the floor. You can do whatever you want for an hour, and then we'll come back together. Okay, okay great. I'm like, whatever. Standing outside of the door. I'm burned out from work. I'm like, okay, what am I doing here? Um, yeah. I mean, I love woo-woo, but I was like – So he does the first demonstration, and he, he touches this woman, and there's a man standing behind the woman. He catches her, and she falls to the ground. And then her, bo- oh. her body starts shaking. And then I – um, all of a sudden, this cool – Soft, like silk energy comes over my entire body from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. And in my right ear, I hear a voice clear as day. It's here. And I like, I could hardly breathe. And I left the doorway from the demonstration and I went and found a room and I laid on the ground and I sobbed for an hour. And it was like every deep wound I had experienced in this life. I, I grieved in that moment on the floor. And when it was over, everyone got together to, so that that healer could answer questions. And I left, I just left and, um, I left the building and that was the, wow. so that was the start of something very big. And, um, I, uh, that healer's name is Abdi Electricite. And, um, I went on a retreat in Costa Rica and later that year with him and had a very, yeah, yeah, and had a very- Yeah, I
0: remember when you went there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and I was out in the woods. There's no, you're in the jungle. There's no cell phones. There's two bathrooms um, with 60 people. There's no showers. Everybody bathes in the river. Um, There's no lights. So, and you're yeah. sleeping on the floor and I had out there, we had done a group energy healing session, no ayahuasca, none of that. There was nothing there. I was like, no, there wasn't right. even coffee or sugar, um, <laughs> 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 but I was there lying on the floor and we're in an energy session. And it was like, you, it was like all of a sudden I heard hoof beats Boof, broof, broof, and I was just lying there on the floor in kind of like a meditative state. And then fire came up through my feet. Fire came up through my feet and through my legs. And then in this vision, I could see this woman with hair and fire coming out of her hair, riding a horse. And it was like all these horses and fire just came through my whole body. And and I shook and I screamed and it was like all this energy got released. And in that moment was a very deep clearing energetically for me. Um, You know, there's a lot of practices right now that people can do to have similar experiences like breath work, holotrophic breathing, rebirthing. Yeah. All of those are very natural ways to connect to what I connected to. But when the energy is released, when whatever's stuck in us is is released, we become a clear channel. We become a conduit to um, to run our energy in a very different way. And so once I was open – it was like that little child part of me that hadn't got that had gotten stuff down. That empathic part started to come alive. I could see, um, into people's bodies. I could see what was wrong with their organs. I could see dead ancestors. I could, st- you know, I started tapping into stuff that, you know, I'd have experiences and I have to go Google it. Cause I really didn't know what was happening. I'm like, am I going crazy? Or, uh, you know, but it was a, it was a,
0: How do you, how do you, how do you kind of like come to grips with that? And like, You know, because there might be somebody listening to this that says, oh, man, this sounds like crazy. You know, how do you?
1: Right. Okay. so here's the thing.
0: Walk me through that. Like, how does that work?
1: Well, everybody, you can't make any mistakes. You can never get it wrong. Your life unfolds exactly (laughs) the way it needs to. So trust. Trust that. That's the first, you know, that's the first place. And, um, you know, the second is something that's always been really important to me if if transformation happens is is having people you can talk to that you can trust to get to get real real with you know like ugly cry and talk about the stuff that you you know you don't want to talk about um having a group or a support network in place is really um helpful anytime there's transformation shift or healing happening um but you know like the process of yoga yoga means union and so it it comes from um, this is this is India. It's Hindu. That is that's Tantra. It's yoga is the union of the masculine and feminine within the physical nature and the divine nature. It's yoga is is not about oh my god how am I going to get a six pack abs and you know <laughs> hold my bow pose for you know 5 minutes it, it's about yoking it's about that it's just it is like sex it's this delicious kind of oscillating give and receiving of your own body your somatics the way you're perceiving your reality and your consciousness your mind that's what yoga yeah. does you you go in you're on the mat it's a dedicated sacred space for you to witness you it's also a place to self reflect without going through inventory um in, you know, in some way. And and so that amalgamation is the practice that really can help to bring those two parts together. Um, yeah. and, and that's a really widely accepted practice of doing that. And there's, there's so, there's so many ways to, um, to, it's really about opening the heart. I, it's really as simple as that. And there's a spiritual lot of ways to do it. About
0: practice, like spiritual practice, Walk me through what a day in the life of Melody Joy looks like from a spiritual practice perspective.
1: I, I'm i at this point in my life where mm-hmm. I don't seek God. I am God. And um, I say that with a really deep level of humility it means that I look at my life as sacred and I look mm. at every life as sacred. And I work with sick people all the time. And I right now I'm in Hawaii and a lot of the sick people live on the streets and they're coming in homeless. And they're they're my patients and I'm there to serve them. You know, and it, it can be easy for the mind to judge and have bias, but it's often those patients that are on my table that are my greatest teachers that reveal the most profound insights. me so my spiritual practice is really about trusting myself and not judging myself and remembering that i am an expression of the divine and everyone else is and i might not like at all what i see and the way that that divinity is showing up in my life i mean we can look at some people in political power and um you know, positions of notoriety and and have judgment and and see how it can be harmful. But, you know, my job is not to change other people. My, My job is to keep my own connection, that's the most important part because as soon as I want to change someone or think some aspect of my life needs to shift then I'm trying to rearrange things using a lot of effort and that's mm. um, you know that's where burnout happens that's where exhaustion happens that's where disconnection happens and and I I'm right now I'm kind of in a marathon of doing a lot of stuff, my life's very, very busy and very, very full. Yeah. And I'm trying to yeah. ride, ride the waves of all of it. And it's not about control. It's about, okay, I'm tired, but I'm showing up anyway. And um, how can yeah. I just be with myself and trust? And I always, you know, if I feel disconnected, I'm like, okay, yes, I know I'm God in the universe, but I'm going to put a consolation out. I'm going to be like, all right, universe, meet me. Because I feel in the state I'm in, I, I don't know. I don't know if I got enough to show up to my job, I don't know what I have to offer. Sometimes I can feel very empty and not feel um, like I have anything to give. And you know, like this happened last week, and I go in, and you know, I had a patient who um, I had a patient who I've seen for the last month. I had found a pancreatic cancer, and it it's very fast growing. And um, I I've seen her every week at my job, and you know, she came in, and she you know she's declining quickly. And in that moment, we started talking about. Um, you know, I, you know, at at work in the hospital, I, I do, I listen in, like I can see what's happening in people and I respect them and their healing journey, but sometimes spirit will come and say, um, connect with this person, touch this person in a different way. And so I'll share something about myself. And I told her, I'm, you know, I'm writing a book right now. And part of that book is about past lives in my, um, And my past life regressionist was a student of Brian Weiss, who was an author who wrote this book, Many Lives, Many Masters. And it talks about the evolution of the soul through lifetimes. And this past life regressionist had had uh, some profound experiences with a client. And this, this patient of mine was like, I was also taught by Brian Weiss. And then it opened up this whole healing container Mm -hmm. where something very, very profound happened. And it's hard to put into words, but it's like when you connect with someone at a very, very deep level, it's beyond you. You can feel worlds um, coming together to bridge something that's way bigger than you can really even imagine. And so my, my spiritual practice is about Finding magic in the mundane of trusting, even when you don't want to trust, of showing up when you don't want to go. Um, But also, yeah, finding places to create boundaries and and rest when you need to. And it changes every day. And the only way that I can stay in a place of flow is to not resist and not fight against life. And, And I've been a fighter my whole life. I have been conditioned to fight, and it's been super useful. But it's not useful any longer. So Mm -hmm. my spiritual practice today, it it, it used to be very rigid. I was like a Bikram Yogi for 15 years. I was, you know, I was, I needed things to be (laughs) so rigid. (laughs) I needed that structure because my, my little, my little spirit and my little childhood was so chaotic that I had to have a a period of that. But now it's like, now it's, Now it's everything. I don't, it can be Mm. rigid, it can be chaotic, and I can be with it all because I don't have attachment to it.
0: Yeah. So many people, you're talking about somebody that's, you know, facing like this life or death battle, this person you met with pancreatic cancer, which is, you know, what do you say to people like, you know, there's so many people in our today's society that are just struggling at a much like lower level of like struggle. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's not life or death. It's just like anxiety, depression, fear, you know, the inability to like find meaning in their life, you know, like how do you, how do you guide people or talk to people that are in that kind of situation in life? What would your advice be to somebody who's struggling like that?
1: Um, Slow down. That's always the first is slow down find ways to connect to, to self um, because mm-hmm. that's where that's where it all begins you know slow down make sure there are you have touchstones of support in life whether it's a partner or a friend or a community a place mm-hmm. where you belong a yoga studio a sangha people who are like-minded where um, where you can be honest and Anxiety comes up because it's the body is saying, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. And the nervous system is just running a negative feedback loop. Um, mm. And to slow down is the first part of the process to um, rewire what's happening. And often once there's slowness, then it's, a, that's safety, right? Um, anxiety says in the body is I'm not safe. I'm not safe. I'm hypervigilant. I might have to fight. I might have to run. I might have to freeze. I don't know what I'm going to have to do, but something. So that slowness um, gives permission or at least gives a feedback to the body that you're safe. Um, you're mm-hmm. okay. And then, you know, that journey of looking within can can help to shed light and light happens through our consciousness. When we bring, the light of our awareness into, okay, where am I feeling the anxiety? Oh, it's in my belly. Oh, right. It's because of work and I'm stressed out and they're asking me to do too much and I don't have time. And, oh, it's the money worries. And, oh, those money worries came from dad and mom who, you know, mm. said, you know, I don't know, money's the root of all evil or something like that. And, you know, so there's these yeah. deep, you know, it's there's usually deep yeah. belief patterns that, that need to be listened to and felt and released in order to let go of some of the anxiety. And that, and that the journey of transformation and healing is, it's why we're here, you know? So we have a reality that pushes us. I mean, capitalism pushes us to be like overachieving um, super producers so much so that we've We've disconnected from the body, and the work that I do with women, a lot of women stop being in their bodies so that they can go and perform um, and just do everything, you know, for everyone else, and not and not take care of themselves. They're the last on the list. Mm-hmm. So I, a lot of the work okay. I do is helping women come back in and feeling the slowness of their body. And many women I have found, both in Western and Eastern healing, is there's a wound to receiving. There's a fear that. If, if they're vulnerable and open, if they're not riding that hypervigilant, anxious, I got to go perform and do that underneath it, they're they're um, when they're still and when they're open to receiving, they're going to be harmed in some way. They're going to be, you know, um, rejected or abandoned for being soft, for being gentle, for being, um, you know, not so performance based, you know, so. How
0: did you, how did you come to go? How, how did it come to be that you, you were like on this spiritual journey of your own and now you're um, now you're working with women, like you're talking about working with all these women and helping other people. How did you c- come to do that?
1: Um, so I, I'm a. I'm part of the Yoga Alliance. I'm a yoga instructor. I have been on that yeah. that path for a long time for 20 years. Yeah. So that's always right. been a part of it. Um, I was a dance kinetics teacher. So I've always been. You know, in the early 20s, I was. You know, doing my own spiritual exploration in some of those practices yeah. of yoga and dance, and um, I love groups. I love being around groups of people (laughs) and all the stuff that comes up. I think it's really powerful when people come together and um, can move and transform. So I've always really been attracted to that through the yoga work that I've done. And uh, so I've I've done workshops around that um, online and and in person because it was something that I also needed to you know, I had re- yeah. recovery and then I did a lot with codependency and I found that the codependency thing, a lot of women were suffering from. And I, after doing that work for many years, I, I really wanted to bring that to people who didn't necessarily identify as an addict or a codependent or, you know, um, someone who wanted to go on the 12 step journey. So I started offering this, uh, to anyone and yeah. yeah and then, uh, you know, it, it's, it's been about six or seven years working one-on-one with women, and right. yeah. um, you know, a, a larger how do, audience. How do, women find,
0: how do women find you? How do how do, how do...
1: I have a website at melody mystic joy.com is my primary website. And then I'm on social media. So I have social media platforms. Instagram yeah. is the same at melodymysticjoy, mystic joy. Um, and so is Facebook. So I am, I'm, I'm out there on the platform and a lot of people come to me through word of mouth. Um, I've also spoken on a lot of podcasts, so people will find yeah, people will find me through podcasts and um, reach out that way. Uh, and then I, you know, and I and I am a world traveler, so I, you know, I love to connect <laughs> right. with people everywhere I go. And so, um, yeah. yeah, you're
0: living out in Hawaii right now.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: Are you in what? Where? Where in Hawaii are you? Maui. You're in Maui. Yeah, as, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, and your job, your uh, your your like profession. I guess it takes you all over the place. You've you've done a lot of traveling since I've known you.
1: Yeah, and I and, and I travel for work because it gives me, you know, so part of part of creating a foundation for me to walk a spiritual path is you have to make room. You have to make real room in your life. Like you can't just yeah. keep showing up to a job that is, is soul-sucking or is giving you anxiety or depressing you and expect to change. I mean, you can that wasn't my path. I literally had to say no to something so I could say yes to something else. So I started traveling and not doing 12 months out of the year at the hospital. I do contract work. I work three to six months out of the year doing contract and then I ded- yeah. and then I dedicate the rest of the time to working um, with clients um, individually. Of course, I keep my clients when I'm on contract too. But um, yeah, I, you know, so I do both. And then I also have you know space and place in in my life to travel to different places of the world because I love experiencing different culture and people and. The wisdom yeah. that's alive in other bodies. So that's that's been that's been part of the journey too.
0: What's some of the best places you've been? God. where, where we... <laughs> I know you've done a lot of traveling. I love to ask people this who travel a lot.
1: Okay, so I recently went to Istanbul in Turkey, and uh,
0: <laughs>
1: it's heavy. It's heavy, and it's been a it's been a place that has changed hands over time because it's the central yeah. focus where it is uh, in the you know continent continents and it's like a hub and everything around it is like the spokes so that's like the byzantine empire and the turks and yeah, yeah i mean it, it's like, but it's very yeah. but it, but gobekli tepe is out there which is one of the most ancient uh goddess Sites that they have found um, today. And so there's been oh. civilization there for a long time, like since the quote unquote flood. And when I went to when I went to Istanbul, I, I got my hair out. It's Muslim, right? I got my hair out, my, yo- yeah. my yoga pants on, my sneakers ready to go. Walked through town. I mean, I had so many men looking at me. It was either I want to kill you because you should be repressed and be wearing a burqa or um, I am just going to devour you with my eyes. It was like so (laughs) – I was so much intensity. But uh, we we went into a couple of mosques and there's one there. It's called the Hagia Sophia. Yeah. And Turkey is very – Alive and there's lots of energy and people and it's it's a rich culture with food and color and language and spirituality and and it's busy and intense and, and when you go into the Hagia Sophia, hmm. Sophia is feminine wisdom. It's divine feminine wisdom. So it's one of the oldest sites of worship of feminine regardless of what it is now um the energy that's there when you go in it, it immediately made me cry it was like it was like a i don't know like the archetype of mother mary or this very beautiful mm. nourishing healing energy that was you didn't find in the streets of istanbul but somehow it was like centered, like a yin and yang sign. It was like this mosque was this little yin piece in this very yang country, at least at least in Istanbul in the city. Um, and that was a really beautiful, beautiful experience. But huh. I mean, I have, there have been so, it's hard to it's hard to have one place, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <Especially> <laughs> traveler,
0: yeah, it's hard to nail it down. But there's always the couple that'll stick out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had that kind of experience in Thailand, I think
1: mm.
0: you know, yeah but you t- you said you were writing a book. Can you tell
1: me about that? You want to talk about your book yeah it the name is uh Shaktified, the juicy Journey of becoming spiritually turned on, somatically resurrected and socially reconnected.
0: <laughs> I like it. I like that yeah that's very catchy too
1: and it really is about how do you awaken this divine power within you that has extraordinary healing potential not just for yourself but for the world um and very is it like a
0: is it like more of a biography or is it going to be more of like an instructional instructional type it's
1: it's an it's like an instructive memoir so my spiritual okay. so i had that kundalini experience and it yeah. my so it was a 7 year journey it was like a layers, are like layers of an onion being peeled away each year. And right. I was called to different places in the world. And every every experience I had opened up another layer. And those layers are the energy centers in the body, the seven chakras. So I, t- I yeah. take people on my own personal journey And then I also offer up guidance for them to follow their own journey and share what was revealed to me, what can be helpful for for someone who's looking to connect more to um, that spiritual energetic force in their own lives.
0: You you mentioned that Kundalini a couple of times. I I knew one other person in my life who who claimed to have had a Kundalini awakening. This was a like. This is a guy that I knew from New York, and he's like Belfast Irish, like off the boat, like, you know, from Ireland. He had like ties to the IRA. He was kind of looked like a gangster. He was a really tough, <laughs> big, tall-headed Irish guy. And then he started talking about this kundalini awakening that he had, and it was like, I mean, it you know, it was so profound that he was doing exactly what you're doing, and he was writing a book about it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, because it changes you. It's like, it's, it's really a, it's a, it's a powerful experience and it's in us all. But when I I went to Egypt in all of all the hieroglyphics, all the gods and the goddesses, all of those speak to awakening this dormant energy. It's written in every myth, all of the Greek mythology points to it. Botticelli's, the Venus resurrecting in the, in the, the sea Uh foam, You, you know, you can, the garden of Eden, all of that. Shiva Shakti, all these stories are our own story of separation from our divine nature into physical form. And we resurrect or renew when we connect to that full potential by letting go and dissolving all that ego BS that's not truly who we are. It's fun to play in the ego. That's how we get to live in the world of duality. But we can go beyond it if we wish. But it opens you up it, you know, you have, it's like, remember dial up computers, the regular life is dial up. When you start opening to your spiritual energy, all of a sudden it's broadband with, you've got like 50 tabs open, you're watching YouTube, you're streaming Netflix and you're having a zoom call at the same time. And you're just, you know, so it's, but it's energetic. It's not an artificial intelligence. It's the intelligence that lives in you. And it starts to wake up and it, it, for some people it's too much. You know, and I—I I just want to say I've never done Kundalini yoga ever, so it's—I gotcha. It's yeah, yeah. It's life. Yoga is life. You don't have to to go and and do it on the mat to feel it.
0: This guy I was telling you about in New York, his uh, that Irish guy, he he never did any. I mean, he wasn't into like any kind of like woo woo spiritual stuff. That like just something happened to him, and he had like this spiritual like experience, and it was so profound. He started like looking into it and then came to find out it, you know, he didn't even have the words for it. It was like, this is a Kundalini awakening that you
1: had. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. It's
1: kind of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I
0: don't don't know if people get to pick and choose when that happens to them. No, not, no,
1: not really. But the thing is, you know, this idea of self-reflection, that's part of it. It's, it's that purification part, you know, how do we, because you'll get there eventually, but it's not, there's nowhere to get. We're already there. Yeah. We're always already it there.
0: Me of that Rumi saying, like, "What you seek is seeking." You.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, when that's you, kind of what I am thinking. When you mentioned to me, when you said you thought you were God, like you are God, like yeah. the the God is in us, right? That's yeah. the way I see. You know, the way I feel like, you know, that's that thing is in us, you know, so in a sense we are God, right?
1: <laughs> but when we see through the limitations of self in ego, we're yeah. not God, we're we're, our, we're like little tyrants. And yeah, I, don't, I
0: don't really mean like we're, you know, we're God, like with some special powers or anything like that. I just mean like that, that spark in us is all part of the same thing. Yes. You know? Yeah. Maybe. Am I saying that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And- <laughs> Yeah, and when people actually tap into it, it's it can be frightening for some people, and purely you're euphoric and ecstatic for another person. Depends on you. What
0: do what do you? I mean, I asked you this kind of a little bit before, but I mean, how do you? Where do where does somebody start? You know, like how, I mean, you told you said like slow down, but is there somewhere like you would direct somebody to like something to go read or something to attend or a class to go look online or? You know how do how you know if somebody's listening to this and they're like you know I want to find something in my life that's along the lines of what you're describing in your life like where where do I where how do I start that? Uh,
1: well, it's a you know this is that's a hard question. It,
0: I know. I I, just, it, I don't know if you it yeah. so
1: the the biggest thing is that it's in you. So whatever you're naturally attracted to, I mean, anyone listening to this podcast, whatever you were like, huh? What did she say? What was that? And you want to go Google it? Google it. You'll find it. Your path will yeah. open before you. That's how it is. Yeah. Everyone has, an, yeah. has a, an intelligence that's guiding them. You know, when I work yeah. with people, I'm just a container. I'm just a big container for other people to step into their big container. That's it. You know, a guide. It's already in other people. So in its following and trusting the inner divinity, right? The inner God, not the, the little ego self that's like, oh, well, if I do this, I'll get that. And, you know, it's not this yeah. um, rewards-based, uh, you know, activity. It's 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 deeper. But it's at all those levels the divine is at all the levels. If you do something that's yeah. practical, like for me, I had to quit my job. I did the practical, it was spiritual. It was the biggest spiritual thing I could have done. I grew oh. up with nothing. For me to leave my job, a good paying job, was like crap. Yeah. I'm going to I'm living in a cardboard box down by the river. I'm going to be like living how I grew <laughs> up on welfare. I can't do this, right? All my fears came to the surface. Yeah. And, and that yeah. and that trusting the unfoldment of my life that's you know we have to untrust the unfoldment of our own lives and the pain and discomfort because that's part of it it's also a guiding compass about who we really are and what's true for you and what's not true for you and only you can really decide it's it's you know it's a lot of responsibility spirituality
0: <laughs> Dude, I love all that we're at the end of our hour is there anything that I didn't ask you that you would like to say about? the life of a mystic the life of melody joy mystic
1: Mm, is yummy
0: (laughs) (laughs) you're a beautiful person and i i've been friends for a long time and i've always uh thought you had a really like uh you know you just have a special light about you that is you know it's different (laughs) and it's it's attractive like you you attract you attract people and pull them in you know and that's that's a really cool thing it's been very interesting to um have this conversation and dig into some of that i really appreciate that
1: yeah thanks so much for having me yeah
0: i'd like to thank everybody for listening to this episode of subculture melody mystic joy that was a uh, awesome conversation I'm going to drop a link to your website in the show notes below. If you like listening to the show subculture, please rate and review me on the podcast platform of your choice. And I'll see you guys all here again next week. Thanks for listening.